From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. Beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the uh, Bishop's Hour. And we are pleased to welcome in person, live and in person, Julie Sly, the... Are you the executive? You need a title. Like don't executive put, editor. Don't the put, editor. Don't put me titles before my title. The ed, editor of the Catholic Herald magazine. Hey, I live in Davis. Yes. And people have so many initials behind their names. Oh. I don't even know what they mean anymore. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah. But when you're blacked out, you can't see any of those initials. Well, I know. <laughs> Were you on blackout? No. No. Okay. Oh, oh, we. Oh, yeah. We, we, uh, you know, it's weird. Um, we, my son is a senior in high school. You know, he's texting with his friends. He kept saying, "Oh, Logan's house is out. So and so's house is out." And, and, and we're kind of like, "Okay, what part of town do they live in?" You but know? it wasn't rolling blackouts. I no, heard that it was preventative because the equipment was getting too overheated. We lost our Wi-Fi. Oh. But the lights were still on. Oh. You know, okay. So we, we couldn't quite figure out how why right. that was. Right. But it, it seemed like it was two or three hours, something yeah. like that. I stay away from home as long as possible to use other people's air conditioning. Right. <laughs> go, go to the cooling center. I went to my workout at Pilates, and I so went for groceries. Then I thought, where else can I visit that has air yeah. conditioning? <laughs> tell the kids, can't you go sleep? have a sleepover at a friend's house? No, it's the privilege yeah. of the vocation of the single life. Yes. Well, <laughs> Stealing air conditioning. Who knew that uh, Sacramento in September would have the hottest all-time day? I remember it being 115 or 116 yeah. here, but oh, it's well, been they, quite they, a few years. They claim it was 114 was the highest, but I, oh. I sin, seem to remember a 115. I as, remember as well. a 115. But, as, you know, I, yeah. I think you, you get, I think... Within the city of Sacramento, the National Weather Service, they have one at Executive Airport, right? International have, Airport, yeah. One near Sac State, yeah. You know, and, and, the, and the so Omaha, it depends on where you are. Yeah, and then you've got, I mean, Travis Air Force Base was 117. Wow. And, you know, Fairfield is always cooler. Always yes. gets that sea breeze early. Yeah. And it's just it's just mind boggling. Some of but these those four famous words. But it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that it's, doesn't it's, it, matter okay, to okay, me out there. It's contracted. about 105. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 amazing. It's just amazing. And who knows? You know, I mean, I, I, it, there sure seems to be evidence of global warming. But there, then again, the record that was broken was set in 1925. 1925. So, you yeah. know, well, okay. So for <laughs> for... 97 years mm-hmm. we haven't had a day as hot as yeah. 1925 you can make all kinds of arguments on all right all, all sides we do in a lot less fog though truly fog I to me than when i moved here in the last three 34 or four years, years ago 33 years yeah, ago in the last yeah. three or four years it seems to me fog was just a, a regular thing of that early morning fog where you yeah. couldn't see uh and sometimes we'd come in in the evening too yeah and uh, yeah, I, I would. I do. Canceled flights at, at Sac oh, Metro. Yeah. I think the first um, year I moved here, we had 30 days where it didn't lift. So you yeah. either had to go to Auburn or the Bay I, Area I, I remember to a, see a, the sun. Uh, you remember I that? I remember January where it was uh, the high temperature was norm, about 38 and the low was about 32 or yeah. 4. Didn't vary very much. <laughs> yes. And then 
I, I remember when my, my wife first moved here from Montana. Um, it was one of those days. And I said to her, I said, believe it or not, in the Sierra Nevada, it's a beautiful day in <laughs> Auburn and people are golfing. Mm-hmm. She's going, no way, it's trippy and freezing. <laughs> and, and right, you know, you could almost predict exactly where it is. Right. Uh, and you bust out, and there it is, just mm-hmm. bright sunshine and yeah. crisp fall so, day. So, I don't know, God's day. changing things up on us. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I said to the bishop the other day when he was on the air, because he had been in Europe, and we were talking a little bit about that, and he was there kind of right at the end of the heat wave. There was a day in, I, I guess it was August, it might have been late July, but uh, I think it was August, where London was hotter than Reading. Oh, and that's a that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. And, yeah, and uh, I think that means that Earth's axis t- tilted or something. Yeah, or people who don't live are not California natives can't understand how it can be thirty or thirty five degrees less yeah. along the coast than oh, it could be oh, here. Like, well, it could be one hundred five here, and it could be it you could know eighty five. Well, or it could be. In Fort Bragg, it could be 55 yeah. Yeah, you know, in the summer. Yes. In fact, the California, the northern California coast in summer it had, probably has the, the lowest maximum temperatures of anywhere in the probably. country, including yeah. Truckee and all the mountain areas. Yeah. Because you, that fog, for some reason, even more so than the Oregon and Washington coasts, which mm-hmm. get more sunshine in the summer for some right. reason. But boy, from, uh, from about Mendocino north all the way to yeah. Brookings, it's just socked in yeah and chilly <laughs> <laughs> you could you smell this the 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 logs burning in the fireplace yeah. in july well and that used to be part of our diocese way back it did. Way i had always kind of heard i don't know if that's true that when we had so many priests coming from ireland they would assign them up there first as they thought that they wouldn't be used to that type of climate from ireland oh, well. Father Kiernan told me that when he first arrived, it was like a July day, and his first assignment was in Reading. Oh, uh-huh. And it was like about 110. Oh, yeah, so you know, see that. Yeah. Like, well, I guess you could. I mean, uh, yeah. I was heard they put him up at Fortuna or Fortuna Eureka Lake. or something like that. So yeah, Fortuna, yeah. Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> so they wouldn't get such a shock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now that's all in the Diocese of Santa Rosa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it's funny how they carve up these dioceses, and Sacramento remains a very large diocese geographically. Uh, yeah, that was 1962. Is that right? That makes split. Santa was Rosa had San been part of. It was part of San Francisco. Okay. Yes, and then San Jose became a separate diocese uh-huh. in 1980. Okay. Yeah. And yet, the, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, in addition, obviously, population being very big. It's a good geographic size too. Oh, it's, all yeah, it's Santa Barbara, it's and, Santa Maria. Yeah, Santa yeah. Maria. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's but a, then they broke off Riverside, San Bernardino. Right. Yeah, I was down. Well, in, it used to be Monterey, Fresno. Monterey and Fresno were the same diocese. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look back. That might have been 1962. It's also interesting, interesting that so many of our dioceses sort of run. East to west, you know, like mm-hmm. Riverside, San Bernardino. Well, Orange was part of L.A. Oh, part at of one LA. point. Yeah. Well, yeah, in fact, uh, Bishop Soto, I think, 
when he was in, uh, he was telling me this story. He might have been studying he for L.A. and had Orange. He had his choice, like I think, yeah. when, when, uh, which, which way he was going to go. That's what they did um, for the priests in San Francisco. Mm. I mean, I think some were asked to go to San Jose or they volunteered or, or so whatever. San Francisco comes over into Marin County, though. Yes, San okay. Francisco is just San Mateo, Marin, and San Francisco okay. counties. And San Francisco County is the same exact geography as the city of San Francisco, I believe. It is. The yeah. city and county are uh, one, so it's one of the few areas that has one right. elected right. official's yeah. body. Yeah, strange. <laughs> but I do know from priests telling me that in that 1962 division, some of them were just told, you know, if they were... I won't name names, but one priest told me if you were, it, it, um, he was in Reading, and he was just called by Bishop Bell or whoever, mm-hmm. maybe who was the vicar general, and just said, I can't explain to you, but pat a few banks and go to Reading, mm-hmm. because if that person had been in whatever, Eureka, then he wouldn't, I don't know, maybe they didn't yeah. allow him a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And if you read some of um, the older biographies there was more um uh well this would be pre-vatican too in fact i was just writing for the website uh father tom mcguire long time um chaplain at mill creek mm-hmm. state prison and Folsom passed right. away last week oh. and his funeral's coming up at the end of this month but um i do remember him um I remember him saying to me at one point that when they first came from Ireland, they would be sent to a parish, and then, like, the different monsignors would come over and meet the new, newly ordained from Ireland, and they'd kind of say, well, I'll take you at St. Basil, or mm-hmm. I'll take you at St. Mm-hmm. Rose, or I don't know quite how that worked. Yeah, I, mean, I, I've said many <laughs> I don't think that would fly today. No, I've said many I think it was, must, it was before Vatican II, there was sort of a pecking Order. That's why if you yeah. read the biographies, it'll say he was assistant pastor. Right. He was associate pastor. You know, I think if you were just the lowly assistant, you got to do the fun things like open up the church at 4.30 a.m. And build a fire <laughs> to, <laughs> to warm it. That was before we had, you know, councils and priests and all yeah. these other bodies that were more insultative bodies yeah. that were set up, set up after Vatican II. Well, when I was growing up in this diocese, the, the term Irish priest was redundant. Yes. It was just everybody everybody I knew, everybody mm-hmm. in the parish. Yeah. And, and even, even long past that... Um, um, we had Monsignor Coffee for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. That was and before uh, they put in terms like, for like, being like Monsignor pastor. Cavanaugh at, at St. Rose and, and right, yeah. right. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting. <laughs> the whole the whole thing's very interesting. And then of course you know I uh, I don't envy him this job when 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 the bishop reassigns a priest. You know and, yes, and uh, probably. Almost without exception, probably gets some grief from somebody. Oh, we just love Father So and So, you know. And well, and it's not just reassigning one priest because oh, it, you oh, yeah, reassign it's a, it's a, one, yeah. then it's kind you, of a you, domino you effect. The whole deck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but glad I don't have to be in on those decisions. <laughs> I know. I know. 
So we want to talk about the magazine. Oh, the Catholic Herald, <laughs> the new Catholic Herald, speaking of clergy. Yes. On um, the front page. On our September-October issue, which I already have at home, so I guess most people shouldn't have received it by now. Um, we've got... Uh, Bishop Soto uh, in June and July ordained 20 new deacons to the permanent diaconate. And actually it happened in two masses. One, the majority, 17 of them were ordained at the cathedral. That's the 17 on the cover. That's the 17 on the cover, plus Bishop Soto. And then there were three ordained later on in July. Um, at St. Joseph Parish in Lincoln. Hmm. And so those are the three that are just on the table of contents okay. there. So That's it was a, a total of class. 20. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, towards uh, the center of the magazine, we have some pictures from the ordination at the cathedral and the, the ordination at St. Joseph. And then we also have some pictures here of the deacons and their spouses, because as we know, the um, deacons' Very wives go through a lot of formation yeah. also. And um, so we've got a lot of new deacons here and a lot of um, serving parishes that I'm not sure if all of them have had um, deacons before. We've got Fairfield, Lincoln, Ridley, Quincy, Auburn, Jackson, Ute City, Placerville, Paradise, another one from Fairfield, from Sacramento, Chico, Roseville, Venetia, Elk Grove, two for Vietnamese Martyrs Parish in Sacramento, three actually for Vietnamese Martyrs Parish, and one for St. Peter and All, Peter and All Hallows Parish in Sacramento. So that's quite a diversity of where they're assigned. We Great. do have some deacons that are uh, have been a uh, few of them retiring, also after long time mm-hmm. service. And this issue also had the theme of a Eucharistic church, and so two of our newly ordained deacons, Rafael Lopez from St. Joseph in Sacramento and Patrick Mahan from St. Joseph in Lincoln. We did um, in-depth interviews with them, and they talked a little bit about what um, Eucharistic Church means to them in their diaconal ministry and in their personal mm-hmm. lives. So, And we should point out, um, I think it's a common misconception, that deacons are ordained. They're ordained they're, they're clergy. Ordained clergy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And... Uh, um, serve in a variety of roles right. uh, in, in our parishes. And yet many of them, well, a few of them are retired, but many of them also hold jobs. And um, for the most part, they have families. Or they're, they're uh, yeah, someone actually didn't, a reader wrote in to me, I see all the deacons have wives. Is it mm-hmm. a requirement to be married? And no, it's not no. a requirement in fact, I think, to be married. I think, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... If you are ordained and you're a single man, then mm-hmm. you then you don't get married. Yes. Yeah. But virtually all the deacons are married. Yes. Yeah. The um I remember um one of the things that happened that Monsignor Hitter shared with me a few years ago when I wrote another um story about some of the first deacons who were ordained, um, who actually both passed away this year, Jim Healy 
and then we just had D and David Yasman mm -hmm. passed away in Reading, and the funeral was earlier in, earlier this week. But some of the one of the humorous things they recalled was that the first time Bishop Quinn ordained the men to the permanent diaconate in 1981, they forgot to take out the vow of celibacy in the ordination oh. rite. So here the deacons were all sitting there with their wives, <laughs> and Bishop Quinn was making them pledge the vow of celibacy. <laughs> Actually, I think that one took place at three different parishes, I think Vallejo, Reading, and the Cathedral. And so wherever the first one was, they had that they had that revised by the second ordination. I'm sure that uh, Bishop Quinn <laughs> yes. had a few quips. Uh, I don't know that. what the quips were, but I'm <laughs> I'm sure he recognized the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as we know, um, we're um, the diocese as well as all of the dioceses in the U.S. are starting um, beginning this. Um, in June, this past June, a National Eucharistic Revival. So there are going to be many events and embassies and parishes. And um, so Bishop writes um, about this in his column, Bishop Soto, um, that with the headline, the Catholic community together with other people of goodwill has an opportunity to foster a new moral ecology. So he talks about the connection between here for creation and the Eucharistic sacrifice. So I hope everyone will read that. And, and it's also, always, it's, it's always the bishop's column. It's very personal. Frequently he's telling a story from his past mm -hmm. and, and what he learned from it. Yes. And uh, it's always a great read. From, you know, as a journalist, like I said, that's the kind of stuff you want to yeah. see. Um, because it's 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 uh, you don't want to put it down. You go mm -hmm. from one paragraph to the next. Right, yeah. right. And then um, actually, we have another event coming up this Friday at St. Anthony Parish in Winters here for creation, which is sort of hitting off the implementation of the here for creation based on Pope Francis's. Uh, Laudato C from 2015. So that's ended me of an event, um, hitting that off at um, I believe it starts at six o'clock at Saint and Anthony a Parish in Winters. Yeah, hopefully it's ended me down to <laughs> at least 99 degrees yeah, or something yeah. by that time. What well, Winters um, is the perfect place to have a get-together about God's creation. Yes. It's just it's out there in the, it's out there in nature. Mm -hmm. Beautiful little town. Yep. And we're lucky we have a lot of those in our we, we diocese. We have a, a ton yeah. of those in our yeah. diocese, yeah. Yeah. All up and down the diocese. Yeah. So uh, just kind of, so we do have a special report for people who have not read, read about the Eucharistic revival, mm -hmm. um, both what the plans are nationwide and, and, in our own uh, diocese. The next year is going to be um, diocesan leaders and priests participate in diocesan level formation events and prepare for training of Eucharistic missionaries for the parish revivals that will be in, in June 2023. See, I so, think this is a very interesting, I don't know if, what's the word, initiative. Um, mm -hmm. um, very interesting that 
and troubling the you know some of the polls and, and I don't know troubling is even the right word. I mean there there are many people I regard as really faithful Catholics who say, well, you know, I think it's a symbol. I think that's what the the you know and and um, you can't you can't lie to yourself about what you believe. Mm-hmm. You know you can have you you can inform yourself and inform right. your conscience and 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 your belief can change for sure um i know over time we, we all change you know but um it was a i guess a sort of a stunning number i think it was a pew study um yeah actually it's loaded here in our our special report on page nine uh, Pew Research study in 2019 indicated that up to 69% mm. of Catholics don't believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not, a, so, it's, not, it's not a rejection of church teaching, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I don't believe that. Or, yeah. Or, uh, you know, we read about how many Catholics practice artificial birth control or believe that abortion should be legal or where it is more like a rejection of church teaching Mm -hmm. this seems to me that it's just something that that the brain and the senses are trying to understand and um it's not that they reject it it's just in their heart they just haven't found a way to believe it right for me it's it's been very it's been very easy to just l- read over those words mm-hmm. of Jesus's, you know, and take mm-hmm. this, this is my body, take this, this is my blood. It mm-hmm. will be, you know, like like it's not just my body and blood. This is why it's my body and blood. Yeah. And I don't I, I I've tried to with charity understand how you could take those words and say, well, it's just symbolic. Uh, I remember when I was a little girl, I used to just kind of think it was a mini miracle. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe I mean, you didn't actually see Jesus there. Right. You know, I mean, that's how I conceived it as a young person. Yeah, and I think... What's well, a mini little miracle happening? Yeah, and, and yet yeah. When, when I, over the years, when I've interviewed uh, people that have a conversion story, many of them cite the the, the the thing that really pulled them over was the Eucharist, mm-hmm. was the, the belief that this is the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that it we sort of are, un- I don't know if we're completely unique in that, but we're mm-hmm. pretty, pretty close. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, I, I'm just real pleased that uh, we're undertaking this. Mm-hmm. This. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of events and education going on in parishes with the freedom for the parishes to adapt and what they want to do what's best for their communities yeah i think um you know obviously the last two years coming out of not having a lot of places where people could gather in a larger group and things like that um i think a lot of people are in a welcome that i think people Mm -hmm. have more awareness of the fact that Maybe there are still people who aren't going to be able to gather for whatever right. reason. Right. You know, I know I was certainly made more aware in these last two, two and a half years of how many people have underlying 
health conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't go around wearing a sign saying, hi, I'm immunosuppressed. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, I'm wearing this mask because. Right. There, yeah. There, there, uh, there are many people that, I mean, it's not, it's not an obvious. No. Um, not disability, but, you know, malady. Um, that they that they have, mm-hmm. and they they're terrified of of getting COVID and ending up in the hospital or ending up on a ventilator yeah. or dying of it, and uh, and a great number of people did die very early oh, on yeah. before really. I mean, the poor medical community was just shooting in oh the dark, gosh. no yeah. idea what what to do, just sort of treating it symptomatically, right. And losing people right and left, I just can't even imagine mm-hmm. what what that was like, and and uh, and yet um, now it seems like we understand it better. We know how to treat it better. We actually have some some drugs that are you can treat the condition, right? And um, but it's it's not a the people aren't wearing a mask for a political statement. They're <laughs> They're wearing it Not that I know. That they, I still wear it. That's why I went grocery shopping last night. I put it on. Well, I went one night grocery shop. I don't. I'm not really a person who likes to go to huge crowds, other right. than maybe a sporting event, yeah, or something. And but um, yeah, I'm not particularly wishing to go into a big crowd or. Well, or I, I got a while there when it seemed like it was really tamping down and. Uh, um, where I, I started going to the grocery store and just kind of would forget to wear a mask and just didn't. And in the last few months, with it just seemed how rapidly Omicron was spreading. Uh, well, it's the variants. Of, yeah. yeah. The, those two variants, BA4 and BA5. And I think I've, any I've vaccine you would get this fall yeah. would be different, obviously different. Right. And than what we got two years ago. And they have just yeah. approved... Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moderna and Pfizer, right? To I guess Johnson Johnson has kind of fallen off the cliff. I think. Oh, I don't know. I haven't been following it that closely, but yeah, they've just approved them. And some of the some of the places for those who do wish to get vaccinated, uh, some of the places in the Sacramento area are already offering. Oh, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. and then uh, you know uh, the other thing too is we do live in area, and this might probably be something that will be brought up when our parishes are examining um, how we kind of carry out the Pope's call to be more uh, aware of hair for creation mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, um, the um, we live in an area where there's a lot of agriculture. There's a lot of industries that emit um, air pollutants and that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those numbers of the particulate like today is how many days in a row of that yeah. we had a spare of the air day right probably about the fifth or sixth day in a row to see i mean and we've that, had certainly have wildfires but in this area we haven't seen the smoke that we frequently no get. but i mean that particulate matter that's yeah. why they say don't go out and yeah. when that particulate i forget what the level has to be right but that particulate matter can go into your lungs and it doesn't leave it doesn't leave it just sits and, there yep yeah like and so aunt. there's been many, many studies showing that lower income areas have a much higher rate of asthma among the people yep. and that. So um, that's why, you know, you think about things about building a big, are we going to build this big industrial plant right next to an elementary school? Yep. 
Now, some of those things just happened over time sure. as cities and towns grew, but we have to be, uh, or people, we have, I mean, how many thousands and thousands of people do we have in our diocese who work in agriculture? Oh, out yeah, in the I, mean, fields. I can remember a few years ago in Sacramento County, somebody had a turkey farm like 20 miles outside of wherever, and and then the developer bought up the land. Oh, and, sure. And not the land of the turkey farm, but yeah. and built homes all around the turkey farm, and now everybody's complaining about the turkeys and the yeah. smell, and you're going, yeah, but... I put my turkey farm here because it was away from everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys came to me, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see the, not only smoke in the air, but when people are because of the drought, I drove Dust, up to yeah. Yuma City a few weekends ago, and they were plowing between Yuma City and Sutter, and I almost thought there was a fire. Because there was so much dust yeah. in the air, well, but they were just plowing a field. I wrote um, one of those. One of those. Uh, what do they call it? Um, not not first person, but uh, where I did the own my own research. I did what yeah. wasn't on in college on rice straw burning. They oh used yeah, used to burn the rice straw. Yeah, in the fall, in, in fact, wasn't you, it? You knew it was fall. Yeah, because after harvest, they they they'd light it all on fire. Yeah, because to get rid of the stubble. To get rid of the stubble, and and it was supposed to be the most well, people just weren't even thinking about it at the time. Yeah. but it was uh, certainly economically the, the yeah. easiest thing to do. Yeah, and finally, finally, they decided that wasn't good for the environment and yeah. stopped doing it. Yeah, but there's so much up where you were. There's so much rice up there. Yeah. And then, you know, and I don't know what the, I mean, I do think Northern California, we have a high rate of asthma and things for a variety of, of reasons. Well, we have and, a high rate of pollen. Yeah. Uh, people, people move here from someplace else and they go. You can see me, my eyes yeah. today. I'm pretty, it, it hits in for me. I'm always around yeah. Labor Day. Don't ask me why. But oh, it, it, the, yeah. The grass. Whatever grass whatever trees. It is. Yeah. 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 So. And your your allergies can change over time too. Oh, I never had allergies Growing before up. I moved yeah. here. Yeah. So um, anyway, a few other stories that we have are uh, about we have a very diverse Eucharistic revival committee that's been meeting for months, and uh, with the theme of real presence, real life, and they are working on kind of setting an overall vision for the Eucharistic revival in the diocese, and we've got an interview with one of the um, co-chairs of the committee, Valerie Ramos. You probably had her on the um, on your program before. She's a member of Ute Shepherd Parish in Elk Grove. Mm-hmm. She's also the diversity coordinator, I believe, at St. Francis High School, and um, she's co-chairing the committee effort with Father Michael O'Reilly, pastor or rector of the cathedral and so uh, they help plan the very multicultural um uh mass that happened at, with the launch of the revival at the right. cathedral on right. june 19th right and there was a gospel choir um it was also father's day it was also Juneteenth. June, it was, it was there was every, a lot going on. It was everything. <laughs> and then Bishop led a Eucharistic, kind of traditional Eucharistic procession um, to Capitol Park that day. And uh, so Valerie has got some interesting um, reflections 
about what we were just talking about, about whether people believe in the real presence in the Eucharist or not. She says, why or how is it, or what really is the problem? <laughs> well, we can figure out why, then maybe we can figure out what. She's saying we have to talk and listen to people and their opinions as to why they've developed their beliefs. Is it just anathesis, or is it we're not seeing people live out the fruits of mm-hmm. believing the Eucharist in their lives? Or, um, So she just said she hopes it's not business as usual. <laughs> so she's quite fired up about this. Um, so she's honored to serve on the um, as co-chair many of she says it's an honor but it's also kind of daunting she also serves as coordinator of diversity equity and inclusion at saint francis high school and works with the right of christian and the initiation for adults ministry in shepherd so she's involved in a lot of things and especially with young people mm-hmm. uh, that's an important thing because you know, young people can be swayed by so many things Today, now especially. growing up that we didn't have um, so much. They have at their fingertips with their phone or whatever device they have a wealth of information and a wealth of disinformation. Yeah, or all, misinformation. Or misinformation. Yeah. All at once, they can Google, you could Google you know Real trees presence. that grow upside down and something will <laughs> something will co- come up yeah you know it's like there and it's just um in addition to the stuff we know it's just really bad i mean mm-hmm. but leaving that out even just just everybody's an author yes and um, yeah most of them uncredentialed in any way mm-hmm. and and some people uh, truly just intentionally making things up uh, right. to, to hammer home a point of view or yeah uh, and th- I'm not talking even political stuff I'm just talking in general you mm-hmm. know? and you've got people believing in the flat earth and everything else because I oh I read it I, I read it oh. it's right here you know I believe in flatbread pizza well I bet you do <laughs> I don't know about the flatter. <laughs> the flatter society. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention we've got a um, great story here by Lynette Magnino. Um, Every story of Lynette the, Magnino. Oh, writes Lynette, is great. yeah, she gets a lot of work from me, but she's a very competent. If, if I see writer. her byline, I'm reading it. <laughs> um, so uh, this is about, and I'm sure you probably mentioned this on this on your show already but we're in the 50th anniversary year at sacramento life center absolutely and um and they're very happy as they paid off their building where they relocated about 10 years ago and they've got all kinds of new programs going so a scholarship program a scholarship program to to help women yes it's it's the the i mean some great work by by marie leatherby and her Mm -hmm. staff no no doubt yeah um, their their credibility is is unquestioned, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, in, in fact, you know the new B columnist Melinda Henneberger went out and did a did a piece so a month month and a half ago. Yes, I saw that. And, yeah, um, very well done. And 
I mean, she won a Pulitzer. She can go out and no, 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 no the bee is going to. Somebody said, somebody said to me, oh, well, I can't believe the bee let that go in there. You know, like oh, it was she's covering all kinds of things. Yeah, and I mean, she, she's she came there probably with a pretty free hand. You just won the Pulitzer mm-hmm. for commentary. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, like who's going to tell me I can't? And um, they, uh, she was, she was just very fair. Mm-hmm. She was saying these these people are providing a service, a right. service that nobody else is providing. Mm-hmm. You know, for people who do want to go to term, they're. Uh, we talk about pro-choice. These people are really providing a choice mm-hmm. for women in a state where uh, you know abortion is the order of the day. Yeah. You know, and they're providing choice. Uh, how anybody could oppose what they're doing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, no matter where you were on that spectrum, yeah. I don't know how you could oppose what they are doing. They're helping women in need who'd like to have the baby. They're giving them two years' worth of diapers. Mm-hmm. What, find a hole in that. What <laughs> What's wrong with giving somebody two two years' yeah. worth of diapers? What's wrong with giving a uh, giving them a ultrasound or a sonogram mm-hmm. or whatever it is? What, yeah. What's wrong with giving them infant formula? What's wrong with, on the day they get there, with no insurance, no doctor, frequently don't speak the language, mm-hmm. or sometimes undocumented? Right. They'll walk out of there with a doctor, mm-hmm. with Medi-Cal, with uh, uh, CalFresh. Right. Uh, people that can't navigate the system or don't know about red tape, don't know how to... I have trouble getting a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Well, he can see you in six yeah. months. You know, I mean, they're performing an incredible service. Well, and and um, we've also in the article, um, Lynette talks with Rosanna Blevins and Jezebel Alvin. Mm-hmm. Um, Jezebel is um, she's a patient advocate, so she meets one on one with the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, she says it doesn't even feel like a job. She's a graduate of Crystal Ray High School mm-hmm. here, Sacramento, and also Sac State. And she's also pursuing a master's degree in public health at the U- University of San Francisco Satellite Campus here in Sacramento. Wow. And she's bilingual. And she says, I think. It becomes easy when you're in a crisis situation to start looking at all the negatives, she says. Uh, there's a whole host of reasons why women believe it can't work for them. But she says soon conversations about finances or a lack of support segue into a dialogue of life. She sees a revelation in their eyes as they realize that this is a human life and there is value in everything at hurry. She also provides options and assurances about all the supportive services available at the Life Center, including adoption services. And um, Rosanna, uh, she greets many of the women of the, or the, and the family members. She kind of triages mm-hmm. what the circumstances are. Do they need appointments or tests? Um, she also feels inquiries, inquiries from women who have had abortions or miscarriages. She's uh, what's called a pregnancy loss counselor, so she helps them navigate the pain which prompted their contract, contact. 
They recognize their hurting, she says, adding that God works in mysterious ways, bringing women to the life center with the couple of spoken words or just an innate awareness that they have to get help. So it's kind of an interesting look behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of what the people who work there. And um, also uh, we mentioned that they are starting um, a benevolent fund uh, to respond to women who are in dire, who have dire immediate needs. They also work cooperatively with many other support services that can assist them with various needs, but the Benevolent Fund will now allow them to quickly provide rent assistance, gasoline for cars, emergency groceries, and nights in a hotel if necessary. And then the scholarship fund that you mentioned is named for Connie Hopus, one of the founders of the Life Center, mm-hmm. and uh, Pam Anderson, who um, passed away earlier this year. She was a longtime supporter of the Life Center. They both happen to be longtime members of St. Anthony Parish here in Sacramento. And so that will afford women coming to the Life Center the chance to apply for funds to to support their educational goals. Because as we know, many women, when they have a pregnancy and have a new child, a lot of the other things get put on hold. Right. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and then we have a nice uh, story also about Hani and her husband, Rich Opus, mm-hmm. who are among the founding board members. There were 10 original founders of the Life Center, Hani, Rich, uh, Father Vincent O'Reilly, and Father John Healy are the four surviving Members, if you're talking about that, as you're going back to 1972 or 73, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 72. Yeah. So, and, and there was also a um, sister of social service, Sheila Walsh, mm-hmm. was very, very involved in the start. And Virginia Brault, mm-hmm. or maybe it's Bro, of Our Lady of the Assumption Parish in Carmichael. And um, in the story with Deacon Rich and Connie Hopeless, they're very proud of the fact that the Life Centers continue to be nonpartisan, nonpolitical, and nonjudgmental. And that's always been their focus. Connie has served as board president on three occasions, 74, 76, and, and in 2009. And I think it was her involvement with the Life Center that after... Her hints were more grown up. She returned to school herself mm-hmm. at Sat City College to become a nurse mm-hmm. in the interventional cardiology unit at UC Davis great Medical Server. At City College. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, those are, um, and I believe we're, the we're Life Center dinner there. is Nate is uh, they're sponsoring it yes, this and year. Yes, that's in November, yeah. first Saturday in November. So, then we had a, a story that I was lucky enough to write, um, and it was suggested by one of our youth ministers, Anthony Ta. You've had Anthony on before. Yes. And it was about um, a new youth ministry that started this year in um, at Sacred Heart Parish in Maxwell, which also has two mission churches, Annunciation in 
um, Williams. Williams and what's the um, blank, you know, uh, name of and Holy Cross and yeah, Arbuckle Cross and the missions. And yeah. yeah. So they're all about 10 miles away from each other, each church. Yeah, Ar- so Arbuckle's south. Well, they're both south of, uh, of Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah. yes. So um, the youth were kind of excited as they don't always get together because of the distance between. And so they were talking about, they kind of started in January, and they were talking about respect life issues and maybe going to the walk for life. And one of the um, youth, Kimberly Rios, said um, she noticed that a lot of people were in need, young families. Um, with hints and maybe even women who were pregnant and that. And she said, that's something we could do. I know the parishioners would support us. So that's what they did. They publicized it all around the three communities among the parishioners that they were going to have a baby shower uh, for the families in need. And let's see, what day did it happen? On June, I think the second Saturday in June, yeah, June 18th, was the giveaway open to all mothers and families in the community with youth ministry members and parishioners staffing the events. So at the end of the day, 30 families received assistance of all different kinds, whether it was clothes, diapers, other types of things needed for babies or for their family. So they plan to make this an annual event, if not more than annual and it was organized all by the youth ministry members this story it reminds me of an organization that was a very small organization it was just a husband and wife showers on wheels Mm -hmm. um i i don't know what has happened to it i I think it maybe maybe they weren't able to do it anymore after Mm -hmm. a while but it was just it was bare bones but they they they've figured out a way to somebody from Auburn, I remember, donated, like, car seats, mm-hmm. you know, four or five, as many yeah. people as who were having the shower. Right. And they would have a, they would f- find a parish hall somewhere, and they'd have a potluck. And, and right. I, I went with my kids many times, and they would have women that otherwise wouldn't get a baby shower. Right. And and they would shower them, <laughs> you know, and, and it was just, it was one of the most moving things. It was, like I say, it was bare bones all all donations and and things like that uh and it was it was christ in action it mm-hmm. was just so wonderful yeah. this is this is a similar idea and, mm-hmm. and and look at how young all these people yeah. are they're putting it together and there's uh girls and guys from the youth ministry laura harillo who's been a long time member of the parish she actually is the parish secretary she's the one who volunteered to kind of help lead the youth ministry and get it restarted so she was very instrumental and kimberly uh actually designed the flyers she had stuff all over social media she had a local radio station to announce it and um, they re- she also went around in the businesses, so they received monetary donations from Grocery Outlet and Alley's Furniture in Williams, mm-hmm. Bertha's Gift Shop, Elena's Gift Shop, and Fouch and Sons Pharmacy. And this is, the, we should point, you know, Maxwell, Arbuckle, and Williams. Yeah. Those are not big moneyed no, they're areas not. at all. No. There, there, there are a lot of people working very hard for a living in those mm-hmm. areas, and to, yeah. to see this generosity is uh, is is really wonderful. Yeah.
So that's something that, you know, I guess we all can do things large and small to help somebody out. And look here, it started with just an idea, and by June, they'd help 30 families. She's 15 years old. Kimber yeah, Kimberly Kimberly's 15. Yeah, 15. I think she's in it be a sophomore. I well, No, she's in it be a junior at Williams High School. Williams High School, founded yeah. in 1911. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, they, they took the old gym up there, and they turned it into a museum. Oh. And, and, and the old school... And uh, Calusa, I think it's the Calusa County Museum. Mm-hmm. It, I went through it with my kids one day. We were, oh. we were up in Williams and we just just uh, driving around. And said, oh, it says Calusa County Museum. Like, eh, who knows? Maybe there's some yeah. tra- tractors in there. You know? and, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was fascinating. They had, uh-huh. they had cost, not costumes, dresses and tuxedos from the, the first senior ball. And, oh, okay. And, and, wow. And, and all the old photos. And, and the families have been there. It just... It, if you're off for a Sunday ride, go to Williams and uh, yeah. check first to make sure it's open. Yeah. Uh, but the Calusa County Museum was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, and it's in the little town of Williams. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I was happy we ought to do that story. And yeah. um, that was great. And let's see, I think that's most of our stories for this issue. Um, oh, no. Well, we do have a story about... Um, many people know him in Sacramento area, Monsignor Robert Walton, of uh, who worked for many years in administration here under in the, Bishop Quinn here in the pastoral and place. Bishop Weekend. And he was vicar general. He was um, on the presbyteral council. He was on the priest personnel board, the College of Insulters, and vicar for temporalities and administration. And so he um, retired after, at the end of June after 20 years as pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in East Sacramento. Right. And he's a very unassuming, humble priest. And so I had to do a little arm twisting to get him very, in here. Very, popu- <laughs> very popular there, though, but you're right. He's very, very quiet, like you said, yeah. unassuming. Yes. And so I think what really comes out in this story, um, I talked to his longtime uh, chair of the parish council, Amelia Jenhouse, and also the uh, 14-year principal of Sacred Heart, Teresa Sparks. And uh, basically they said how much he did to foster collaboration between clergy and laity and how involved he was in the parish as a pastor. And as you can see from the photos, they had a nice reception for him after all the masses at Sacred Heart. At the end of June, you can see some colorful uh, posters there that the students from Sacred Heart School made for him. Um, And uh, of course, during his time as pastor, the school was completely rebuilt mm-hmm. with that the um, remodeling or the expansion of Mercy General Hospital. They're all kind of together there in East Sac. And so that new school campus opened in 2009. The original school opened at 39th and I Streets in 1934. Wow. It's been there a long time. And then in 2014, the interior of the church uh, went 
under a total renovation under the guidance of Jeff Green of Everett Green Architectural Arts in New York City. And, of course, Harry Hallenbeck, who many um, people knew here as the state architect and also the primary architect for the renovation, restoration of the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament. So he's done a lot in his time as pastor there. Um, And uh, Teresa Sparks, the principal, noted that Monsignor Walton gathered a strong team of professionals from attorneys to architects to see the transition from a charming old building that needed lots of repairs to our current state-of-the-art school. The neighborhood was closely involved with the project, and many challenges had to be handled. But with Monsignor Walton's guidance, our beautiful school stands for many generations to enjoy. And so he's in it, me living, well, he's already living at the Priest Retirement Village in Citrus Heights, and I think he's in it, me helping out as, as many of our retired priests do with helping pastors with masses. Right. assisting pastors with masses at parishes. You know, and uh, not to be uh, dismissed, the, the back page, the uh, official, you know. Yes, we have a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the names of the new deacons, newly ordained, um, the assignments of priests, whether it's retirement, whether they've been reassigned someplace else, um, uh, canonical appointments, mm-hmm. as they're called, um, and if you go, well, where's Father so-and-so? Uh, well, it's all there. Yes, and there'll be more in the next issue as there were some that right. happened after we went to press right. with it's, this it's issue. Just, it's just very helpful to, to see that. Yeah. And, uh, um, but we are fortunate that we had some, have so many permanent deacons ordained. I have seen that with other large dioceses right. that many ordained but you know some other dioceses may just ordain one or two deacons and it's a pretty rigorous four-year process oh, it is. That it's, you, you don't just say i think i want to be a deacon and yeah. okay come on in we'll ordain you no it's a real formation yeah. and it's an examination for them sure if some time isn't it's hardly a, a short-term commitment it's a very yeah. rigorous and um, they're really giving it to themselves uh, the commitment. Yes, yeah, no, and their wives are also yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no there's yeah. no question. And they they are making great sacrifices. Yeah. and 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 every parish is so much better for having them. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a fact. Yeah, Julie, I think. Uh, oh, and we're getting we the have, sign from we the sign. We're getting the mean sign look from the cross. <laughs> Yay. He never gave a mean look to anyone. Never, never. <laughs> Just his size isn't him. Yes, that's yes. true. He's got a few more muscles on him than I, re- I do. I, re- I remember when um, we needed a producer, and I, I, I placed an ad somewhere. And back in the days when you placed ads. Oh yes. You know, okay. And I had a call from this guy, and and I think we met on a Sunday afternoon, and. I said, well, how am I going to recognize? Are you going to wear a red shirt or what are you going to do? He says, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of an understatement. <laughs> oh, he played college yes, football? He did. Yes, yeah. Always revealing new things. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I, I knew right away that he, he stood out in a crowd. <laughs> Very handsome man. 
And he, but he's very soft-spoken. Yeah, he's very soft-spoken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we usually do it off the air. <laughs> we do, we do, behind his back. <laughs> okay, well, thank Julie, you. Julie, thank you. That's okay. a wonderful, wonderful issue. Yeah, lots in this issue. Wonderful thank stories you. there. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916 972 one two one two and remember again the thrift store is open uh seven days a week at 2275 watt avenue right here in sacramento well bishop soto refers to christ the king retreat center as the jewel of the diocese and indeed it is what a beautiful oasis it is it's located in citrus heights uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, Turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916 725 4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving around me. I hear your you win